Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, April the 1st, 2021. It is, of course, April Fool's Day, but there will be no April foolery on this show today. Will it ever happen I don't know. I've never pulled an April Fool's on the audience. I actually have a really epic idea for one. And it just seems this time of year, there's always too much going on for doing something silly like that. Today's show will be a topic roundtable with no foolery in it whatsoever, other than when we're talking about ass clowns, they're always conducting foolery. Um, some of this expands on what we discussed last night on Unloose the Goose. And I'm going to tell you what happened to our video live stream on Unloose the Goose. Uh, shortly after we finished up because of the censorship over at YouTube. So we must have been really making a difference for that to happen. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic. I'm going to go pretty quick through it. I'm going to give you some facts about the, the so-called pandemic. I would call it an, an endemic at this point. Um, and I'll give you their own numbers as to why that's the case and why, well, We'll get to it when we get to it, but we're going to hit a few bullet points on the so-called pandemic, the government-demic today. Uh, we're going to talk real quick again one more time for people who might be new to the show. If you are concerned about COVID or other similar viruses, including the flu, the things you can do. Of course, yesterday's episode on D3 with uh, Dr. Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, Judson Somerville is a great resource as well for that. Um, again, I'll give you some con uh, give you what happened as far as censorship with the Goose Group. I'm going to talk a little bit about general freedom in a republic and why you should use it now. I'm going to talk about why I don't think the vaccine passport, at least federally, will be what people are saying it's going to be. I do not think you're going to need a vaccine passport to go to freaking Walmart or racetrack. I do not believe that. And I'll tell you why I do not believe that. It's not because they wouldn't. It's that I don't think they're going to be able to. And I think I'll give you a pretty basic, simple case. Um, I'm going to answer the question, how long is Biden going to be POTUS? I have been blown up with that one. Is he going to make it till summer? How, how soon before uh, Auntie Kamala um, takes over his POTUS? I'm going to tell you, I think that it's going to be longer than you think. But I do not think he'll finish his term. I, I will go out and say that. But I'm also going to say... As always, I could be wrong. We'll talk about it. Just a brief, brief segment. Um, crypto FUD. Crypto FUD is coming fast and hard. It always has. Many of you are new to crypto, so you are new to crypto FUD. That means you're more susceptible to crypto FUD. I'm going to tell you why the crypto FUD will be uh, harder and faster than ever and generally should be ignored. For those who don't know the term FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, generally in a bullshit way designed to be um, kind of a, a counteroperative attack against something people don't like. And I'm going to finish up with a segment. Yes, there are TV shows, even on lamestream media, worth watching. I'll give you one. Uh, I believe it's available on Netflix, and it came either from History Channel or Discovery Channel or something like that. Totally worth watching, even though I don't like a lot of what came from this particular time in American history and what we're living with now as a result of it. I still think there's incredible value 
to looking back at this time and seeing what was done. Anyway, we're going to dig right into this one today. It's going to be kind of a fast-paced show. I just want to preface this with everything you're hearing today will be my opinion, um, as it always is. But I think that sometimes I speak with a lot of conviction, and hence you always have to remember that I reserve the right to be wrong. I think the first time I said I reserve the right to be wrong on this show was episode three in 2008. It would be three, somewhere between three and six. Like I realized right away, people were like, well, I don't agree. Well, it's okay to not agree. Right? I've never said I'm right about everything. I just tend to be right more often than I'm wrong if you look at my track record. All right, so I want to start out with a quote of the day. This from one of our founding fathers. In fact, maybe one of the most vocal founding fathers prior to the Declaration of Independence and one that was most pushing for it, cousin to our third president, John Adams, Samuel Adams. He said one time, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. In other words, the people that just won't shut up, the people who will just keep pushing, the people who will never give in, the people who will live free even while others willingly live in chains. We will always be the minority, and we will always be the difference makers. That's what today's show is really about. Once you see it kind of all come together, I think that'll make sense. It's why I chose it for my topic of the day. So I want to start out with right now how you should be thinking about the pandemic or the government-demic or the fake pandemic, whatever words you use to describe the shitty situation we're in, by the numbers, by the math, by the people that are supposedly telling you to wear three masks and stick an anal swab up your ass and hide under your couch, right? By their own numbers, this is the reality of what's going on. And if you have any fear, if you're going to base anything about this on facts, your fear should just evaporate like a fart in the wind after you hear what I'm about to give you. According to the CDC, there's been a little over 31 million cases of COVID in the United States. Okay? So 31 million Americans have been diagnosed. In other words, somebody shoved a swab into their nose to the point where they started to itch their brain with it and pulled it out and ran a test, and they said there's been 31 million cases. And that puts our case fatality, case fatality rate at a pretty low number. It's one point something percent. doesn't even matter what it is. But case fatality rate means of diagnosed cases, how many people died. Okay, But what we really need to look at is the infection rate. Here's, here's just an example of how we know people had COVID that are not in the case fatality rate. And we're just going to go with one person. So my daughter-in-law worked in a medical office through this entire period of time. She stuck many swabs up many people's noses. Uh, she did a lot of in-checking as well. She kind of runs the front, works in the front and the back of the, the, the medical office, depending on what they need her to do that day. And um, around... Thanksgiving-ish, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, she ended up at work and was like, I don't feel well, 100.9 fever, 101.9 fever, almost 102. And uh, doctor's like, yeah, you probably should go home. Let's test you first and send you home. Test positive for COVID. Uh, same day, my son starts to develop a fever. He's got COVID. They stay home for about a week. Everybody goes back to work, goes on with their lives. My son wasn't in that number, so that's at least two cases. My Uh, my grandchildren, my granddaughter and my grandson, of course, lived with their parents. We didn't bring them here. They went home with their parents. They had been back and forth to us, by the way. So Dorothy and I may have had completely asymptomatic COVID as an infection. I don't know. But I guarantee you the two children living in the same house with their parents 
either have straight-up immunity, which some people do, or they had COVID. So it's somewhere between two and four cases, but only one on the books. You see how that works. And that's just what we know from a single infection that was diagnosed as a legitimate, yes, this person has COVID-type diagnosis, right? So that's that's all from one case. How many times do you think that's repeated? How many times do you think there we, we have some of these, and this is nothing about anti-immigrant, it's just reality. We have immigrant groups beyond just Hispanics in the Dallas-Fort Worth area just alone. We have a large immigrant sector from the Marshall Islands, which got hit pretty hard by it. Gee, they have kind of really low vitamin D levels, just saying, but... How many places do you think we have where we have these, these multi-generational families living? There's 10, 12, 14 people in a house. Somebody goes out, they get COVID, they came home, everybody stayed in the same house together, everybody got COVID, only one person got tested. What do you think the number is? What is that we've been talking about from the beginning, the X-factor number? The CDC says the X-factor number is 6 to 24X, the case rate. At minimum, at the lowest Their, their, their softball number of 6X, which I think is low, 186 million Americans have had COVID. 186 million have had COVID, more than half. If it's 10X, 310 million Americans have had COVID. I, I think that number was probably right in the beginning, but with more testing, et cetera, I think we're somewhere between 6 and 10. That's my best guess. Because if, it, if it's over 10, then everybody had it, and we would be completely done with it by now. So I'm going to tell you that I, th I think the number's somewhere around 200 to 250 million Americans. But even at their lowest number, the odds are that you have had COVID. That doesn't mean there's no chance you didn't. But it's, it's, it's greater than a coin flip. It's more than 50% of people in this country by the CDC's own numbers. Not numbers I pulled out of my ass by their numbers Half the damn country is walking around with some level of conferred immunity. Period. That's just, that. I'm sorry, that's their own numbers. Generally accepted number that we need to hit for herd immunity to really kick in is at least 70%. Got it? Okay. And if we stopped calling cases of the flu COVID, we probably are done. Fully. Because where's the damn flu, folks? Please tell me where the flu went. Right now, we're usually just ebbing off the peak of the flu season. There's usually 50, 60 million cases of influenza in the United States a year. We've had like a couple thousand diagnoses of flu this year. So if they stop bullshitting and we look at their raw numbers, well, we probably don't have anything going on at all anymore. I'm sorry, we don't. I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry, right? Um, and we know a large number of people... Despite constant lies to the contrary, when you read the actual scientific literature and you wake the F up and you understand that science is not a fucking institution, and I'm sorry if you don't like that word, but I'm, sorry, I'm sick of this shit. Science is not an institution. Science is a process. And that means that anybody can examine the process. You don't need a special title or special initials to examine the process. And if you actually look at the processing of the data. And by the way, they're bitching about this. There's a so-called study out from MIT saying that, gee, the, the anti-vax, the skeptics are winning the information war because they're using our own data against us. And it actually complains 
Did these people seem to think that science is a process rather than an institution? This proves my point. These people are delusional. They think science is an institution. Science is not an institution. Science is not like the Central Intelligence Agency or the executive branch of the United States government. It's become that. It's not supposed to be. Science is explained simply through the concept of the scientific method. We take a thing. We test a thing. We get a result. Others test the thing. Do they get the same result? If it's repeated enough, we can have confidence in the results. So when we look at that, we know that a shitload of people have innate immunity to COVID, SARS-2, and its variants. They just don't get it. They don't just have asymptomatic. They just don't get it. All in, this thing is over. Don't get all upset with me. It's not over. Stop. Listen. Let the sentence finish. This thing is over from a major disease stance. It's done. By their numbers, it's done. And it either is, or you can get it a thousand times and having it confers no immunity, and that means the vaccine is absolutely fundamentally worthless. It's one or the other, take your pick, by their own numbers. And I'll, I'll throw it out again, because I've thrown out multiple claims I've made during this whole bullshit thing. And I've invited... Any doctor, any scientist, no matter how many initials you have after your name, to debate any of these claims that I make in public, in a live stream, under the international recognized rules of debate, with an independent third-party moderator with all subjects to be agreed upon in advance, and I will give you double the time that I get for my statements and responses. And you can have a research assistant using the internet while we're doing it, and if you won't do that, to be blunt, shut the F up. Shut the F up. If you won't meet me in the court of ideas and debate the facts, then you are full of shit. And all of you that are ranting right now and writing hateful reviews on iTunes, keep going, please. The more reviews I get, even bad ones, the better it is for me. It doesn't hurt me at all. Call me anti-science. Call me whatever you want. But it's amazing the people that call you anti-science will never debate the science with you. Instead, they want to do irrational appeal to authority fallacies. They want to do irrational special pleading fallacies. But I know someone who died. That doesn't change the facts. I know people who died too. It doesn't change the facts. The facts are the facts. The numbers are the numbers. The math is the math. Take off your mask and let this die. This will not end until we collectively grow the balls to end it. It is time for America to stand up and start acting a little bit, just a little bit, like freaking Americans. And say no more. It really is. And I know there's places where it's hard. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute, my friends. Those places. Those places that do not deserve your time or your talent or your money. But one more time, by the numbers, this is no longer a pandemic. And I want you to do a thing for me. Every time that you hear somebody on the radio or the TV or elsewhere say, hospitalizations and cases are growing, I want you to go look at the official data. And watch it show you that that's a lie. I've heard multiple times in the past few weeks, because I've had to go places and actually leave my house, which I hate doing, because I'm out there with people that I don't want to be around. That's the only good thing about the mask tards, right? Because since we have no mask mandates in Texas anymore, I don't wear a mask anywhere. And all the mask tards, when I come walking through, I'm like Moses parting the sea. They just get out of my way. But because I've had to go out, I've heard multiple times Texas news on Texas radio stations claiming in Texas, 
hospitalizations and infection rate is growing at an alarming rate since the uh, shutdown ended. Article I put out on social media today. No, it's not. Record low. Lowest it's been since the whole damn thing started. In earnest, anyway. Continuing decline. You might have one, one day a little higher than the last day, but your seven-day moving average is down, 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 down. If it was a stock, you would never buy it. Right? So they're lying. They're not just... I mean, this is not something like, does this medication work or not? I can say everything tells me that it does, but since we haven't done an actual trial the actual right way, I have no proof. There's a subjective argument to be had there, though you cowards in the community of so-called scientists won't debate me on it. I've been begging for a debate on this for almost a year now. No one will do it on the hydroxychloroquine thing. But there is a subjectivity to that. Whether or not cases are rising is straight data. So please, understand, if they will lie to you about straight data, if they will lie to you... It's, it's, it's about the same as when you had a guy standing in front of a burning city telling you that the protests were mostly peaceful and still about half the people or more in this country are dumb enough to believe it. That's what's going on with this right now. Data is not subjective. Raw numbers are not subjective. When you have a, you have multiple media personalities, even on Fox News, right, coming out and telling you, and today there was a severe rise in cases and hospitalizations in the United States in COVID. Anthony Fraudsy is very worried. And you can look at the numbers and see that is not true. Not my numbers, their numbers. And then you should, if you trust anything they say, I'm going to tell you what. You should just put three masks on and move to New York and New Jersey and please get the hell away from productive people. We can't, we can't deal with you anymore. You've got to go. You're willing to accept a lie in the face of the truth. And, and, and you are a direct result of the education system, by the way, that has trained you to believe authority over facts. When we get a society that believes authority over facts, we live in the very definition of tyranny. Moving on. If you're still worried about this disease, and I think that this is good advice anyway, because having the flu, having a cold, etc. sucks, and these things build innate immunity. We know what we can do. We know what we can do to build up our immunity, specifically in relation to MNRA replicating viruses, with over-the-counter cheap supplementation. They are, number one. First of all, you don't even need a supplement. Lose some weight off your fat ass, mostly by cutting carbs. I did it. It made my life better. And if I had gotten COVID symptomatically during this, I would have probably done much better for having lost the weight. Everybody I know that had COVID that I know in real life, I don't know like one off, I know that person, I've talked to him, that had a bad time with COVID, was either really, really old and had really bad comorbidities, or was a fat ass. And I'm allowed to say fat ass because I used to be one. Okay, so it's not like me fat shaming something, it's just true. And we know that the number one way that we can lose weight sustainably and keep it off is the cutting of all the carbs out of our diet. The standard American diet is designed to make you fat. Fat people are compliant. Fat people have low resistance to disease. Fat people do what they're told. Fat men have low testosterone levels. You want to make a man compliant, lower his testosterone levels. Shove some soy in there for good measure. So number one, lose weight. Number two, supplement D3 and K2 like we talked about yesterday. Vitamin D is, I would have to say it is, of all hormones, it is the master commander hormone. 
The more research I've done this, the more I've learned this to be true. Go check out the vitamin D wiki, the amount of research, studies, etc. Um, and, and a lot of this information comes directly from doctors, healthcare practitioners, etc. is immense. And D3 is the thing that tells your immune system, okay, that's bad, go kill it. But it's also the thing that says you've killed enough of it, stop, before we go into a cytokine storm and kill our own host. That's you. That's one of the many things that D3 does. But D3, I'm not going to get into it today. I'm just going to tell you there are many things in your body that for them to happen and for them to stop happening, you have to have adequate levels of D3 in your body. They basically say activate and deactivate these processes. D3 is not a vitamin. We shouldn't even call it a vitamin. It's not a vitamin. A vitamin by definition, if you can make it in your body without consuming it, it's not a vitamin. It's a hormone. We need the sun to make it. We do not get enough sun. We do not make enough of it. There is no such thing as cold and flu season. It's a lie. Cold and flu season is a lie. I'm going to say it one more time. Cold and flu season is a lie, 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 lie. But then, Jack, why does almost all the cold and flu happen between, like, oh, October and, and March? Well, because we have low vitamin D season. That's why. Because the days are shorter, we go outside less, we put more clothes on, we get less vitamin D, we have higher cold and flu and other illness rates. Because it is a key item for our immune system. And this is why we are geared to make ourselves fat in the fall if we live in nature and store a shitload of vitamin D to get us through that time period. But you just said fat was bad. Fat is bad if you're not burning the fat off. See, the way it used to work is we would go into the Darth of winter and we put extra fat on. And then through that winter, we would eat a lot less food. So we would be burning that fat and releasing that D3 into our bodies. And then spring came, and the days got longer, and we ran around naked or half naked at least all the time. We got plenty of sunshine. We got our vitamin D levels back up. We began to eat again. We didn't put on a lot of fat till the end of the season when everything was in surplus. Don't work that way anymore, so all we have to do is take a really simple supplement. We add the K2 to it. I won't go into that. We talked about it yesterday. I am going to probably on Monday have been getting asked questions about doses. I cannot recommend, one more time, I cannot recommend a dose for you to take. I cannot do it. I will not do it. I am not going to club fed for prescribing medication as a non-MD. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. What I will do on Monday, I will go through all my supplements, what I take, and why I take them, but I will make no claims that they do anything. That is the only way I can do that without being risk, at risk for being sued or arrested. Don't ask me to do things that are flatly illegal to do simply by speaking them in a way where my words can be put in front of a jury of my non-peers to throw me into Club Fed, because I will not do it. I won't. Okay? It's not that I'm afraid. It's that I'm not stupid. I don't paint targets on my back. All right. Next up, though, supplement, certain and zinc, and copper. Why copper? Because when you take extra zinc, it competes in your gut with, with your gut for the absorption of copper, and you can develop long-term Zinc use as a supplement can create a copper deficiency. So I'll tell you what I take on Monday specifically. If you really want to know, you can research it for yourself, but zinc and copper. When you put zinc into the cells, 
mRNA replicating viruses cannot replicate at their typical rates. This is not some wild idealistic claim. This is a known fact of science. It even impairs the replication of cancer cells and other cells that are negative to your body, right? Zinc in the cell. The key is you can take lots of zinc, and if you think of your fist as a, as a single cell, so make a fist and look at your left fist. Then take your right point finger and point at your, like, touch, like, try to poke your fist with your right finger and try to poke through it and get into the inside of your fist. If you make a tight fist, you can't do it, right? Try to poke through the back of your hand. It hurts. Stop. Stop doing it now, right? That's zinc trying to get in your cells. A little bit might get in there, but mostly that's it. It's tap, 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 can't get in. We need something called an ionophore to get large amounts of zinc into our cells. Qcertin is a known ionophore for zinc in the human cell. It opens the pathway and allows the zinc to get in the cell. Zincs have a significant, cells have a significant amount of zinc. It slows down to almost stops viral replication at the mRNA level. Done. So this is a good thing all the time. There are safe levels. Please do your own research. Supplement C, I shouldn't have to say any more. Vitamin C is a key immune-boosting nutrient that many Americans are not deficient in to the point they're going to get scurvy, but they are deficient in adequate amounts of vitamin C. It's incredibly safe and incredibly cheap. I take vitamin C every day, and I take some other supplements that I'll talk about. But those right there, if we got everybody in America to, to, to cut carbs, supplement D3 at an adequate level, including taking blood level tests so you know how much to supplement, take certain and zinc, supplement C, and do the last step, which is go outside and live your damn life and breathe fresh air, we'd end this thing tomorrow. We could have ended it last year. It's going to end itself at some point because the people that are going to get really sick and die are going to get really sick and die, and there's going to be nobody left that gets really sick from it. Not in any quantity, not where it's any more a problem than anything else that takes people out when they're weak. All right, that's it. I'm done. Go outside and live your damn life. Now, I'll talk about censorship of the Goose Group. Last night, uh, we did an episode, I think it was 34, of Unloose the Goose. Uh, gaggle members present were myself. Nicole Awesome Sauce, Xavier Hawk, and John Bush. We talked about vaccine passports. We gave no uncredible information at all. Everything we said could be validated. I got an email this morning, and it said, Hey, I watched a part of your live stream last night. I wanted to catch the rest of it today. Now it's gone. So I went and checked, and then I made sounds like that because it was indeed gone. And we have a strike against us now. The Goose Group has been threatened by Big Screw Tube and Google. Don't do bad things again. Don't be saying stuff we don't want to hear, or we will smack your hand even harder. And if you do it one more time after that, we will delete your account. No explanation of what we said that was dangerous medical misinformation. Basically, what YouTube and Google are saying is, Thou shall not say a single negative thing about thy vaccine, or thy art wrong, and thy shall be smited. Do not worry, good friends. We are preppers. All of us in the Goose Group are preppers. And we, of course, recorded the entire conversation along with the video feed. The video which is uploading right now to my server so that it can be migrated over to Odyssey by Nicole Awesome Sauce. And you will be able to see the video and the podcast is available in our podcast feed, I think by now, if not soon thereafter, you're hearing this. Uh, Nicole was getting it taken care of this morning after I got the editing done. So apparently we, we made a real statement 
Because I think it's when you make real statements that they censor you. And uh, we're just going to roll with it. We're going to just market the hell out of this episode as this is the episode of Unloose the Goose that YouTube did not want you to see. You can see it here on the free platform known as Odyssey. So I actually think censorship is going to end up being a good thing for liberty. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds stupid, but it's not. I said a long time ago, you remember when I said this, those of you that are long-time listeners, ban us, ban us all, I dare you. I think it was about 2016, directly to Google and YouTube. Ban us, ban us all, I dare you, and Facebook as well. I dare you to ban us all, I dare you. All of us at once. And the reason I said that then is if they did that, all of what we call alternative uh, media sites would just explode. And if you've noticed... It's when people who are really big time either get banned or they get the hand slap warning we just got, people like a J.P. Sears, do they say, you know what, the hell with this. They finally reach out beyond the basic stuff, which I don't call, you know, I don't want to call it alternative media anymore, alternative social media, etc. It's not alternative. It's new media. It's new social media. It's new video sites. They are legacy media. Like, the people on TV, they're archaic media. YouTube, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they're legacy media. Things move fast in the modern age. Technology moves quickly. There won't be much longer, and all of this censorship will be irrelevant. You won't be able to censor the people who matter. And the more they push like this, number one, the more it helps Now I have a video that was banned. You want to see it, don't you? Some of you have never, because I know you don't all tune in to Unloose the Goose, because we do well, but our numbers would be through the roof of half my audience listen to Unloose the Goose. But some of you have never even thought about it. You're like, I like Jack's podcast. I like Jack. It is what it is. I don't have time for another podcast. I'm going, I want to, I want to see that one. That's true of every time this happens. It's a badge of honor today to be censored. By Google. Like, I don't think, until you get censored or thrown in Facebook jail or something like that, I don't think you're actually making a difference. You're not counterculture enough. We are the new counterculture. The counterculture today is truth. The, the counterculture today is facts and data. I don't argue against the COVID protocols that these idiots have in place based on my emotions or my feelings or what some tin hat nutters said over here, I do exactly what the MIT study complained about. I take their own data and throw it right back up at them. When they come at you and they say, well, we now have consistent and specific proof from the largest study ever done that mask mandates and shutting da- and shutdowns worked. Well, I actually look at their report, and when it shows me that the greatest variance within the entirety of it is 1.7%, I just point out that that would be in the margin of error in any study. You would never have a pharmaceutical study where you're like, well, people who took, you know, protoxalol truth serum, you know, did better with, with allergies than people without them because 1.7% experienced relief. Even in our shitty rigged system, that would never get approval as a, as, as, as a valid study. They would say that doesn't prove anything. If you showed somebody uh, mid-last year a, a study on hydroxychloroquine that showed a 10% improvement 
in the experimental group, they would have said that's too low. It doesn't actually show anything. The sample size was too small, blah, 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 blah. But when they came out with that report, every news agency in America went, we now have absolute proof that masking works and that shutdowns work. And there's a drastic difference, 1.7% combined, meaning neither one was more than 1% effective by itself anywhere had any impact. We shut down, at best, most of the country for a 1.7% gain. There's no way we gained more than we lost with that calculus by their own numbers. They don't like that. I'm all about let's use data. Because I believe that science is what? A process, not an institution. So censor us all you like. Because we have the truth on our side. And we are developing and continuing to develop the technologies that make us impervious to your shit. And the more you do to deflatform, to ban, to push us out, the more people you push out with us. You push out our audience, of course, but you push out our cohorts. You start to make people who are the new up-and-comers say, why? Because it's one thing to leave YouTube when you have 50,000 or 250,000 or a million subscribers. But when you're the guy that says, you know what, I like what these people do. And not just in our world, in any world. Freaking fish tanks, freaking DIY builds, whatever. If you're that person and you're new and you're just ready to start the next great thing, the next great info platform in any subject, totally non-political, and you look at this, why the hell would you build it on YouTube? Even if you throw your content there because, hey, take the pull through, why wouldn't you build it somewhere else? And always funnel people from there to there, right? From the place that's legacy, YouTube, to the place that's the new world. And I try to tell this to people, and they don't listen. I'll tell you, my my nephew and his wife, she runs kind of like a sexy sports model type thing. She's big on Instagram, has over a million followers. I'm sure that's kind of – they've been shut down and, and got their account back several times there. Um, but they started exploiting TikTok, And they do have a membership site, and they do have revenue models that are independent of the direct revenue they get from platforms. Um, so they have that. But I'm like, man, like nothing you're doing is porn or anything like that. That's how it gets reported by people who are jealous of you. That's how it gets you shut down. Like, and like, use Odyssey Library. I haven't done it yet. You know what just happened? Got banned from TikTok. Maybe they'll get their account back. I don't know. We'll see. But if you were... I, see, and that's something totally non-political. If you are building from the ground up today, legacy media can be a stepping stone, but it shouldn't be where you put your effort. Put it somewhere where people can't take it away from you. And the more they censor, the more powerful that becomes. The more people that will follow us naturally there. I'm back to it all, YouTube. Ban us all. Go ahead. Take away my YouTube channel. I don't care. I don't give a shit anymore. Because I know the truth is more powerful than a lie, no matter how many times the lie is told. Well, well Herman Goebbels was right. And if you tell a, a lie loud enough and long enough, people will believe it. Thinking people will not, no matter how long you tell it. And there's enough thinking people for us to build what we have to build with. We don't need the non-thinking people. They were never our people anyway. They were never our audience anyway. Moving on. Vaccine passport was the topic of last night. I, I don't want to get into the specifics of it. I just want to tell you why I don't think it's going to be what 
a lot of people in our world are making it out that it's going to be. Because it's going to be, well, you're going to have to get your injection, and if you don't, you won't get the app on your phone with the green light on it, and you won't be able to go to the mall. You won't be able to go to a sporting venue. You won't be able to go to Walmart. You won't be able to cross the state line. Maybe you won't even be able to leave your house. No, 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 and no. And maybe. Sporting venues, maybe. I don't know. That might be one. See, I think what they'll have to do is try to, like, they'll put this thing out there. It's going to have to be a voluntary thing that you can get your, your clearance for. And then they're going to try to get the private sector to adopt it, to kind of use soft power instead of hard power. Because in our republic, that hard power doesn't really exist. That doesn't mean it can't be tried. I don't think it would survive the court system. I think even liberal judges would go, nah, no. Right? You know, I, I really do. I, I'm not saying all of them, but enough of them that it would never, it would never survive. Right? It could cause temporary disruption, etc. But I think when you know you're going to lose, generally you don't. And I, the enforceability of something like you can't leave your house, that's just stupid. Now, businesses. Okay, so we have right now more than 50% of people in this country saying, I'm not doing it. Okay, so if you're Walmart, are you going to be like, well, you can't come in without it? Well, okay. Don't you think one big change is going to be like, well, we're not doing that. Look at their parking lot over there. And then once that happens, you, you see where I'm going with this. Sporting venues, maybe. Big like concerts and shit like that, maybe. That could be a thing. Airplanes, definitely I see it as a risk. Can't get on an airplane. like You have to have a passport that says you got a shot to travel on aircraft in the United States alone. I even think there's market solutions to that. We talked about it last night. But they're a little bit longer term, and it could be somewhat expensive. But I don't think legally the state of New York can set up roadblocks at the state line and, and have checkpoints and say, if you're coming in from Pennsylvania, you have to have a vaccine passport or we're not going to let you in the state. I don't think it's logistically feasible. I don't think we're that far into the surveillance state yet. And I think we have states that are not only not participating, but they're vehemently not participating. They're, they're standing directly against it. I don't see Texas going along with this. I damn sure don't see South Dakota going along with this. And I know Florida's already like, DeSantis is giving two double middle fingers. Right? I mean, that's, that's, DeSantis is not, and Florida is not having this. So, There is a certain reality that if you want to do something at the federal level, you have to have local support. And I don't mean moral support. I mean logistical. So I have a, again, I, I don't really know what you call a person like this. So this would be my niece's husband. So my nephew-in-law. I don't know. He works for a sheriff's department, and he's on his third attachment to a federal marshal's task force. And he said flat out, without the local department's, being willing to help federal stings, federal investigations. They literally do not have the ability to do it. So we have all kinds of local police departments, sheriff's departments, etc. They're like, we're not doing this. This is not un, you know, un, unwavering, you know, blind faith in the good men and women behind the thin blue line of law enforcement. Not, not anything to do with that. There's good cops, there's shitty cops, And there's murderous cops, right? I mean, like, and the spectrum is all over the place. And even good cops, I have a lot of disagreements with. It doesn't mean they're not good men, okay? And there are a ton of cops that are even in the not-so-good category that 
I, I just want you to think of it this way. If we said all of a sudden that garbage men are going to be, but you had no way to force this mechanism, right? Garbage men will now be required when they dump your garbage can to get out um, a bucket full of chlorinated water, you know, some little bit of bleach in it, and scrub the inside of your garbage can and set it upside down and let it dry out so it's disinfected for you. And they're required to do that. And the President of the United States signed an executive order, order saying, from now on, this, the, through the EPA even, this will be required. Do you know what would happen? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Most of the municipalities would just immediately say, we're not doing that. We're not doing it. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We're not doing it. It happened in Texas over cannabis. So in Texas right now, if you get caught in most of the state, Don't test this theory, but in most of the state, with a small amount of marijuana, what it used to be is you got a ticket for under 200 bucks, And so that was always the thing, and that was what most cops would do. It was a misdemeanor citation. You didn't go to jail for it, whatever, unless it was a probation violation or something like that. You just, a couple hundred bucks, like getting a ticket for jaywalking. A little bit more than that. And so... The Texas legislature, who only gets to meet twice a year and has now fudged this up and doesn't get a chance to fix it until it's way too late, decided to legalize CBD in the state of Texas. That was nice of them to do, and I, I was supportive of it. And they specifically did it by just basically saying any product less than the federal mandated 0.3% THC was legal in the state of Texas. Any product, including, well, CBD bud. Do you know when you look at CBD bud, talking flower here, I'm talking the stuff you smoke, you roll it, or you put it in a bong or whatever, for those not initiated there, you can't tell. In fact, some of the CBD flower that I've seen smells like, smokes like some of the best high THC, get you high pot, you will ever find. You can't tell. So if you write me a ticket for it, and I say, I'm going to court, I go to court and tell the judge it was CBD. The judge says, can you prove it? I, no, Your Honor, I, I I can't prove it, but they can't prove it's THC. I believe they have to have a lab report. And they would turn to the officer that wrote the citation or to the prosecutor if they wanted to prosecute it, take it a little higher, and say, do you have a lab report? And they're going to say, well, no. No. You know why? It costs about $500 to do that test to issue a, a $200 fine of which the local department doesn't get the money. They get like a very they get like a third of it. So, but the local department has to pay the full bill. So you're going to pay 500 bucks to get what 75? Even a bureaucrat can do the math on that and say that's not going to work. So de facto across the state of Texas in most places, that doesn't mean there's somebody that won't be a prick somewhere about it. It's pretty much the case that small amounts of marijuana are now completely legal for possession because not because it's legal, because there's not a mechanism for prosecution. And what I'm saying about vaccine passports is you got the same thing times a thousand. This is not Germany, where one edict from above can just go everywhere. Now, does that mean that you might not have somebody like de Blasio say it's required in New York? And let the courts fight that because you shouldn't be in New York. We'll get to that in a second. Um, So what I want to talk about now is general freedom in a republic. I am not some sort of blind patriot. I have a lot of problems with my government. I have a lot of problems with the officials in my government. I have a lot of problem with the state in general. I believe the state is illegitimate. 
and that all action should be voluntary. 100% of the time, all the time. I believe that. I also am a pragmatist, and I know where I live. And I know the world I'm in, and I know that society has not yet figured that out. And that the majority of people think what I just said is insane. They think it's insane to believe that we can actually get things done without forcing other people to do it with violence. Now, they don't put it that way, but when you say all actions should be voluntary, they either agree or immediately disagree. But a lot of times when they agree, when you start walking them through what that means, as soon as they realize you can't force your will on that person over there with force by proxy through taxation, now they, now you're crazy. Okay, So what I'm about to say is not some raw, raw speech for the, the old republic or something like that. But we do live in a republic, at least the remnants of it. And this does give a great deal of autonomy to the states, even in a society that has completely screwed the pooch on what it originally meant. And that means that the life that a person has right now in the state of Texas or Florida versus New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania or Michigan is dramatically different. And I started a movement called Walking to Freedom years and years ago before this ever happened. And I said way back then, we're talking like seven years now, Get out of these places, these places that do not value your liberty, that overtax you, leave. That has never been more true than now. To me, if you live in a state that is still in lockdown mask mandate mode, whatever it is that you need to do to get out of that state, you should be actively trying to do. Do you see what I just did there? I didn't say if you don't leave, you're wrong. I didn't say if you don't leave, you're stupid. I didn't say leave now or you're an idiot. But what I've been amazed at is how many people are like, well, I hate it here. Why don't you leave? I can't. Why not? I can't get a job somewhere else. Have you tried? Well, uh, okay, man, wrong answer. You should be looking at every option you have to go somewhere that's not participating in this lunacy. Period. And if it ends up being that the, the choice is not right for you, Fine. But this is like the conversation I had with my kid when he was like 18, 19 years old. And he's trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. I'm like, we'll go talk to those people. Go discuss it. Well, I don't know if I want to. That's why you go find out. Take the journey of exploration, at least in the mind. Go visit a place. See what it's like there. Determine whether or not you can see yourself living there or not. Some of you literally live like... It would be, you, you have less distance between you and a freer state than I have between me and San Antonio. It's like a five-hour drive. Some of you live two to three hours from a border or less with a free state. Really look into it. There's never been a better time to negotiate working remotely. There's never been more opportunity with upcoming new companies in smaller towns in states with more freedom. And big ones in states, in, in highly populated areas. Freaking Elon Musk left California and came to Texas over this. I don't think Elon Musk is a hero. I don't think he's the new Iron Man like some of you tards do, right? Okay? But I do think it's an awesome opportunity to work for a company like Tesla if you're in that sector. And I don't think he came to Texas because he believes in freedom. I think he wanted the freedom to make his money and to run his company and have people work there. It's happening everywhere. There's opportunities. Use the general freedom of a republic, and if you can, get out, get out, get out. It will only, if you live in New Jersey, the things you hate, I give you my word, I said it was my opinion, but here I'm giving you my word that I'm right. 
Everything you hate about New Jersey right now will only get worse from here. Eventually, some of the lockdown shit may eventually end because it will have to, but everything you hate will get worse. And the next time there's some disease, and of course there will be, you know what they're going to do. And it will be worse the next time. Imagine if we get a disease that really is a problem, what these people are going to do. If you live in New York, it will only get worse from here. It will not get better. If you live in Pennsylvania, it will only get worse from here. It will not get better. If you think five years from now you're going to have more liberty in any of these places, you're wrong. You can stay there if you want to, and I understand if you really have to, but explore the opportunity while you have the opportunity because it's going to get more difficult over time. Next, I want to talk about Biden really quick. If you noticed, I haven't said much about Biden. For four years, I said very little about Trump, except when there was a specific thing that we needed to talk about that Trump was associated with. But the, I, I don't want to talk about Biden's infrastructure plan that's not an infrastructure plan. I don't want to talk about the stimulus that wasn't a stimulus. I don't want to talk about any of that. I just want to answer a question people keep asking me. How long? What's your under over on Biden? I think he'll make it through 2021, the whole year. I think he'll be sheltered and protected, and I think they have to get him through a full year. And I think it's going to be hard. That's where I think I could be wrong. We'll come back to that in a second. But I think the plan is you get him through a full year. You, I think they're blood doping the guy. I have no evidence of this. Just This is my estimation. Blood doping is when you take highly oxygenated blood and you, you give somebody that blood as a transfusion to basically give them enough energy and, and what have you. Like athletes do this because obviously you can't. You know, detect it in your analysis. And they're probably having him on other medication whenever he is forced to speak to the public. I think he is in, I agree with people that say he's in severe cognitive decline. And, but I think to create an air of legitimacy, he has to complete a year. And at that, they'll come up with some excuse going into the holidays and the new year, and there'll be this great whole, you know, Auntie Kamala is taking over or whatever. Um, that's my best guess. I don't know, and I do have enough experience with elderly individuals in cognitive decline to know that this decline can be a very long, slow, gentle slope, but it also hits a point where it careens. And I've been through it with enough family members that when I, when I listen to the man and I look at the man, I know what I'm seeing. And I don't say this with any joy, because Biden bad, Harris worse, in my opinion. All right, So I say this with no joy. I say this with a, just a, a, a basic understanding of what this looks like when it happens. And I think there was such blind hatred of the truth that there are people still lying to themselves about it. I don't think a person that's ever witnessed this type of cognitive decline, and it looks like something in the neighborhood of like an Alzheimer's or possibly another degenerative disease that kind of mirrors the effects of Alzheimer's, some other form of dementia, right? It looks exactly like every case of it I've ever witnessed. It's a sad thing that happens to us at the end of life, and I believe he was used, and he's pushed through this, but I also believe it's his freaking psychopathic ambition that allowed it to happen. The man should be feeding seagulls ice cream in Florida right now and, and enjoying the end of his life, what he has left of it before he doesn't know his name. 
I know that sounds harsh, but it's not harsh. Harsh is using a person that's heading for that place. And so the way we get to where he doesn't make it to the end of the year is that precipice where a person goes off the edge happens. And again, this is now I'm back to opinion. My instinct is his cabinet all has already sitting in front of it somewhere pre-written um, the documents to exercise the 25th Amendment and remove him from office if they decide he can't be handled, he is a danger. Because I, this is in some ways scary. I really think you have a guy that's, that's in the early to mid stages of dementia that now has the authority to launch a nuclear strike. I would think that there'd be immediately some action to prevent that, but who the hell knows? This is dangerous. And I think that's the dangerous balance they're going to try to walk. They're going to try to walk this guy through to the end of the year, and they're going to, and the family that's got their hand up his ass like a big giant Walter puppet, some of you know where that's from because he looks so much like Walter the puppet, really, not a joke, um, are going to try to make sure that China gets paid back for all the things that they did for the Biden family, because that's all real shit. We have we have total, absolute fact that that's all real shit. And then we're going to sunset that. And, you know, go live out his life like Ronald Reagan, except without any of the accomplishments. Because the man's actually accomplished almost nothing. 50 years in politics, almost nothing accomplished. Nothing to really show for it. Except the crime bill that caused a lot of the problems that they're supposedly trying to fix now. That's his, that's his only signature accomplishment. I'm sorry. Um, but that's my guess. One year and early in the new year, 2022, he rides off in the sunset to feed seagulls in Florida, which he should have done five years ago. All right. Next, I want to talk a little bit about crypto FUD. Um, I, I think a lot of people that are new to crypto are the ones emailing me, oh, India says they're going to make crypto illegal. Do you know the first time I heard India say they were going to make crypto illegal? I think it was like 2014. So, okay. China's going to shut down crypto. 2014-ish. China's making a fuckload of money off of crypto, folks. I'm sorry. And I'm talking about the people in charge in China. Right? They're not going to shut it down. They may regulate it. not going to shut it down. You're trying to shut down something that can't be shut down. You now have major corporations... Investing in crypto. You now have Western nations approving, through their version of the SEC, crypt, straight crypto ETFs. You are on the verge of that in the United States. You will soon have pension funds from teachers, etc., invested in crypto. You will have, I guarantee you, if you don't have a true crypto ETF by the end of this year, mark my words, I'll, I'll bet, first person who wants to take the bet, 10 ounces of silver on this, right? Just because it's got to be counter to crypto, right? By the end of the year, end of the year, there will be a mutual fund or an ETF that specifically targets companies who have some of their assets in crypto. That'll be one way to circumvent it if they don't just flat out approve it. When you get to a point where you have this much invested in it and it's, it's, it's reached as far as it will have by then, and it's, I mean, it's already a trillion dollar asset, you, you're, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. First they ignore you, then they mock you, then they fight you, and then you win. 
The other three stages already happened. I want you to look at it one other way. Crypto is, or specifically Bitcoin is, a trillion-dollar asset. It took 11 years for Bitcoin to become a trillion-dollar asset. Apple is a trillion-dollar asset. It took over 40 years. It took over 40 years for Apple to become a trillion-dollar asset. It took about 20 years for Amazon. There has never been anything that became a trillion-dollar asset in one year over a decade. It is the most successful thing financially that humans have ever done. Infinity. I know that's hard to accept if you were one of the, the holdouts in this. But just take the crypto flood with a grain of salt and understand it's going to be co-opted, pulled into the mainstream as much as possible. They will put things in place to make it more taxable, to put it under greater control, but it's not going away. And there will be Bitcoin and a few others that will become incredibly valuable assets. I'm talking Bitcoin being worth $10 trillion, at least. And I know that sounds insane, but if I told you five years ago Bitcoin would be a trillion-dollar asset, you would have said that sounded insane. There's nothing that's happened with Bitcoin that hasn't been what I said was going to happen with Bitcoin. Nothing. Anyway, just keep that in mind as we go on. Next, I want to talk about, before I wrap up today, with the idea of supply shortages. I came out very early in the year, and I said there will be food shortages this year, specifically things related to corn, soy, wheat, and the animals that they're fed to, which is like all food. Um, we're now looking at supply shortages in almost everything. Go price PVC pipe versus two months ago. Some of it is because of the constipation of the Suez Canal. But let's be honest. There's a shitload of stuff that comes to the United States that goes nowhere near the Suez Canal. And yes, yeah, small disruption in supply has a... Uh, a magnified reach across the board. But right now, if you look deeply into this, you'll find that almost every commodity will be in short supply at least until the end of the year. This is rising prices. This is more competition for goods. While more people have more money, i.e. inflation. I think you're looking at an inflation rate of 15% this year, minimum. Real inflation. Maybe 15% over the next five years is a very valid number, and maybe it's more like 2025 this year. It's a good reason to be in crypto. I want you to be careful, though. The people in the sector we're in, the preppers, um, everybody that's in kind of this alternative zone right now, they are not immune to the power of if I talk about this thing and if I hype this thing, I get more views, more clicks, more money. Even if they mean well. And they're also in a space where, like, that's my thing. Shortages, right? Some of you can figure out people I'm talking about, and I have respect for them, just so you understand. But they're in that world. So everything confirms their belief. We are going to have shortages. We are going to have rising prices. We're not going to have people starving in the streets because they can't get a, a freaking package of ramen that they could have got if they had a vaccine passport. Like, that's another meme I've seen. Like, you need a vaccine passport to buy ramen. That's that. None of this is going to be the case. Everything is going to be okay, but it's going to create some real difficulties. And there's going to be, I guarantee you, almost everybody listening to me right now, you're going to have a thing you want to do or buy that you're not going to be able to get this year. 100%. 100%. 
We'll have at least one moment where you feel like that. But don't careen over the edge. Don't careen into psychosis. This is We have an incredibly resilient nation with an incredible amount of resources. The only reason we're going to take this hard is we're so effing spoiled. We're so spoiled as a society. Our grandparents wouldn't even notice what's about to happen. We're going to. It won't be a walk in the park, but don't run for the hills over it. If you run for the hills, run to a better life, not away from a shortage, right? If this is not going to be patriots that come and collapse. It isn't. And I just needed to say that because, like the crypto FUD, expected to get ramped up. Because there will be places where they're right. And what, what people in this industry tend to do is they say, these are the 10 stages of this. So when stage one is reached, it's proof that 10 stages imminent. Not how history works. Not how history works. We need a little more context in how societies function and work and break down. A little bit more temperance, a little bit more patience, but above all, there is an issue. So make sure you are upping your preps, which I advise you to do all the time anyway. Last, I want to end with, speaking of history, there are TV shows, even put out by Lamestream Media, worth watching. One I discovered recently, and even my wife has been fascinated by this show, is called The Food That Built America. I mean, and it goes into things like the history of, like, Coca-Cola, Lay's potato chips, all this mass-produced crap, the cola wars, right, the cereal wars, etc. And it's not so much that the food itself is what it's really about. No, it's about people who had an idea, started with nothing, and built billion-dollar empires by giving everything, and almost every one of them almost failed. And the rivalries that occurred and the different ways they were handled. Some rivalries were handled, like, I mean, down to the level of, like, you know, two street mafia families, like, trying to, like, do each other in. And some rivalries were handled with cooperation and eventually mergers, where everybody did well. And some some were handled with, I'm pretending to help you, but as soon as I get the upper hand, I'm going to screw you. There's a, just a tremendous storyline in how these things happened. And I do believe it's on Netflix. I don't think all the episodes are on Netflix. I think like the first eight or nine are on Netflix. Relatively short seasons. I don't know how long it'll last. But what I'm getting out of it is what it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. It's pretty impressive. I think you'll enjoy it. I think even if you don't think you will, you'll enjoy it. You'll understand how... Companies, especially once established, use things like war for profit. Like even chips or Cheetos can leverage war on the other side of the world for profit. You'll start to question whether we should be going to war or not based on this alone. You start to understand how brands leveraged war to go from national to global brands. It's, I'm just going to say, it's pretty fascinating. It's called The Food That Built America. With that, I'm going to wrap things up. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I enjoyed doing it. Sometimes I like to riff on these various topics. If you want to see the uh, episode of The Goose 
the, the Unloose the Goose that got uh, censored by YouTube. Uh, it has finished uploading. I will let Nicole Sauce know right now. Hopefully that will be up soon. But it should be in our podcast stream soon. Uh, I'll link to it in today's show notes if you want to check it out. And I uh, also want to remind you, you can help support us by doing your online shopping where... Come on, guys, you know by now, tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Item of the day for you today is a Turkish-made folding, harvesting, and pruning knife. I've brought this around a few times. Every time I bring it around, it sells out. It's back in stock again. It's made by a company called Glittering Bazaar, who I would say more it's imported by. I bet these things are five bucks or less on the street in Turkey. Right? I really do. Uh, I've checked into it. This design is centuries old in Turkey. Um... It's basically a folding rice knife type hand sickle, sort of, kind of. A little bit different angle to how it's made. I have pictures. I got videos. This has become one of my go-to homesteading tools. But like I said, my big thing is when I found out about it, I bought some before I put it on online, and they sold out like instantly. They've been back and sold out several times since, and I have not heard a single complaint about them. They're a great tool. They do so much, and they're under 20 bucks. So if you've been wanting one, or if you think you might want one, get one while you can. And the other thing I'll say is, like, the, the handle takes a pretty nice, you know, little walnut stain, a little true oil, a little perma blue on the blade, or a vinegar patina, and it makes them look really cool. Uh, this would even make a good gift for, like, gardeners, homesteaders, etc. And it's inexpensive, and you can put your own personal touch on it on top of all of this. Uh, check it out again, the Turkish-made folding, harvesting, and pruning knife by a company called Glittering Bazaar. And I'm dead serious. I have not found another source other than this one vendor on Amazon, and that's one when they're selling out. They're gone. And shortages? Much, anybody? Shipping difficulties from the Middle East? Turkey's in the Middle East. You got it? Like, I would get one now if you plan on getting one this year. That doesn't mean they might. I don't know. Maybe they got tired of selling out, and they brought in 10,000 of them. I can't see inventory. I don't know. But it's one of those things that could disappear again. And it's 20 bucks, so get it while you can. All right, with, and remember, always support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. What about becoming a member of the MSB? Don't. Do not be, if you're a member right now, do not become a member. Do not do it Friday. Do not do it over the weekend. I'm running a sale starting next week. See, I'm one of those guys. I, I won't like push, 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 and then run a sale after like I get a bunch of sales. I'm going to run a sale next week. You'll save some money. So if you are needing to renew because you've expired or you are wanting to become a member, Wait till next week. I'll have full details on Monday. With that, let's talk about our song of the day. So the, the song of the day today is one that I had never heard until this was sent to me uh, by John Adam, who who picks our music for the shows for me. And it's by a guy named Jonathan Kane. I, I'd not really heard of him either. And it's called The Songs You Leave Behind. And if you haven't kind of made the connection yet, all the music this week has been about, in my words, making the most of your dash. When you're gone, they'll put you in the ground and put a stone over your head, or you know maybe you'll be cremated and have your ashes scattered. But somewhere, someplace, there'll be an obituary. It'll be something. Will there be a name? Joe Blow, born 1955, died 2055. Makes 100 years, maybe, if you're lucky. In between those two numbers, be a dash, and that dash is you. Do something with your dash. Every day you're burning it. Whether you want to or not, your dash burns a little bit every day until, poof, we're gone. If you if you look at the curve long enough, we all die. The fatality rate of human existence is 100%. It's okay. It's part of life. 
Without death, I don't know that life would mean as much to us as it does. Tragic when it comes early, but we don't get to choose. There's choices we can make that make it more likely that we'll be around for that full hundred years or even a little bit more. Choices we can make that guarantee we won't. Some things you can do that pretty much guarantee you won't see tomorrow. People do them. But in the end, an average life, 70, 80, 90 years, that dash burns a little bit more every day. What this song paints a picture of is that we, our lives are like music. Each thing we do, good and bad, is like writing a song. And it's not just about doing the most with that dash that we can for ourselves, but doing the most because we will leave something behind. We, have, we all touch people, good and bad ways, through our whole lives, make them feel good, make them feel bad. And there's times where you did it and you don't even know you did it. There's probably someone out there right now who believes in themselves, assuming you've been around long enough, because it's something you said to them that you don't remember. And if, if you met them, you might not even remember them, but they remember you. And likewise, there's probably people you hurt deeply. You didn't even know you did it. Never heard a word about it. And they might still occasionally think back and go, ah. And they have self-doubt because of it. It's okay. No one's perfect. We all have this in our lives. But as we become conscious of it, we should do more and more every day to have more of the first kind. To say that one thing or do that one thing that long after we're gone, in some ways we become immortal because of the songs we leave behind. People that never knew our names still being touched by us. Because you say this one thing that changes this one person's life just a little bit. They say a thing when they're an old man to a young person. Does it again. It repeats seven, eight, nine generations. And long after you're not only in the ground, but completely turned to dust. Something you set in motion. Because music, to me, it lives forever. It's information. Song is played across the airwaves. That means it's in the form of light. And that song, once it's played across the airwaves, travels through the universe. That even millions or billions of light years away, if there was a detector strong enough, it could be heard. A billion years after it was played, our lives work the same way. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. No one sees the countless hours you spend, songs that disappoint you in the end, and few have felt rejection you've endured. No one knows you've had your dreams undone, no one's faced the battles you have won, where a melody is lost without the words. As you wait on